been in a series entitled Poverty, Money, and God, and this is the last message in that series. We've talked about how to release your blessing. The difference between the scarcity and abundance mindset. How that tithing changes our life and actually positions us for God's blessing, the fullness of God's blessing. And then today we're going to talk about your breakthrough harvest. Something has happened. Yeah, you'll want to turn down the volume on that, yeah. And since you're actually in the room, you don't need to watch it live stream. Yeah, I just, I don't know. You, you, you won't need that. We have people sitting in the service watching it live stream, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm here. You're here. <laughs> I know, it's such a new experience. Something has happened. Something has happened. We have been repositioned by the Holy Spirit. You have been repositioned by the Holy Spirit. We've been positioned for a miracle. Every one of you. Look at somebody and say, you have been positioned for a miracle. God has set us up for a faith event that is going to adjust impossible realities around us into the normal everyday occurrence of kingdom abundance. I'm not asking you to give money. I'm asking you to plant seed for a harvest. And this is not a maybe harvest, but a deluge of heaven's provision. This is different. Your faith action will move your resources over into a realm of kingdom provision where multiplication is just normal. What you do with this message today will move your resources over into a different realm of kingdom provision where multiplication is just normal everyday life for you. I really believe that. Our faith words will call it into being. To just review real quickly a little bit about last week, um, we learned that tithing is not part of the curse. Never say that. Never allow that thought in your walk with God. Tithing is not part of the curse. In fact, we learned that Abraham gave tithes in Genesis chapter 14, long before the law ever existed. Jacob made a covenant that of all that he increased, he would give 10% to the Lord in Genesis chapter 28, long before the law was ever written. Jesus upheld the tithe in Matthew chapter 23, telling us that it was still something that was important, but in relationship to love, love was now the new kingdom language, the new kingdom thrust. So you don't throw out one just because you've moved into love and grace. In fact, love and grace accentuate the reality of being generous. Excuse me. Love and grace accentuate the reality 
of being generous. So tithing just becomes a baseline, in fact. It's a starting place for New Testament giving. Look at your hands. The seed for kingdom explosion is in your hands. The seed for explosion in your businesses, in your family finances, in the life of your children. Look at your hands, see? I want you to see it this morning. The seed for explosion in every area of your life when it comes to provision, God meeting your need and blessing what you put your hand to, your career, your family, your children, everything you touch, the seed for that provision, it is in your hands right now. You don't have to go somewhere to get it. You don't have to pray a special prayer. God's given it to you. You already have it. You already possess it. Your tithe is an expression of the faith. Your tithe is an expression of faith rooted in a superior reality that says, God is owner. I am his steward. I will not mess with the financial plan that he has established that positions me for supernatural provision. Why someone would argue with God about his principles of being generous, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why would you even think to argue or question God's financial plan for your life when in fact, as a steward of everything, you're actually, by following his plan, you're rooted in something so supernatural, so beyond the ordinary. When you choose to tithe, not because you feel like it and not because you're afraid, but because you want to honor God, you choose to live as a believer, not a feeler. You actually move yourself from this reality over into a kingdom reality where you are going to be the recipient of a superior reality of blessing and provision. You say, Jeff, it sounds like you're repeating yourself. Yes, and Paul said, it is necessary for me to repeat to you often the things that I've been telling you until you get it. Who knows, I might, sorry, just have a hair. (laughs) Who knows? I might go back and preach these same four messages for the rest of the year. (laughs) Well, that went over big. (laughs) Our text for today is 1 Kings. Grab your Bibles. 1 Kings, chapter 17. We're going to begin reading in verse one. Second Kings, or excuse me, I said second, first. First Kings chapter 17. We'll begin reading in verse one. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years 
until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring to you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Or the Hebrew word for that is, I have commanded them to provide for you there. Make note of that. I have commanded them to provide for you there. Verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. But after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. In verse 1, we find out big mouth, big faith. Big mouth, big faith. Turn to somebody, say it. Big mouth. <laughs> now, I did, not tell, I did not say tell them you have a big mouth. <laughs> big mouth, big faith. All right, tell somebody that. Has God ever prompted you to say or do something so far out there that your family, your friends, even your enemies were calling you crazy? If not, you, you've lived beneath where God wants you to enjoy living by faith. There are times where God will drive you out into a place, lead you out into a place, move you, inspire you to leave where you are and go to a place and do something and say something that's so out there in faith, so crazy that, like Elijah, can you imagine going to the king, going to the president of the United States and saying, there will be no more rain over this country until I say so. <laughs> I mean, you know, either God's leading you to say something like that or you're crazy. Big mouth, big faith. So he left the king's presence and the Bible says he went down to a particular brook and he hid. It's called the brook Kareth or Cherith, literally the Cherith Ravine, and properly in Hebrew, the torrent or valley of Cherith. It was one of the many ravines that ran through this Jordan Valley in the area of the Negev. Cherith means secluded or dry place. Brook means a torrent bed, a deep ravine down which in rainy times a strong stream would flow. Now, I was listening to a minister by CD the other day, and he mentioned going to this area of the Jordan and walking through some of these ravines. And at the bottom of one of these ravines was a sign on a post that said, beware of floodwaters. 
this ravine was dry as a bone. Sandy, dry, dead-looking bushes, nothing. It, it had not had any moisture there for possibly years. <laughs> At the bottom of the ravine was a sign, beware of floodwaters. And then he found out the history of the area, that it is not uncommon after long dry spells for these ravines to suddenly fill up with water 10 feet high, a wall of water 10 feet high as a result of a sudden rain. And it washed down the ravine and take everything with it. Big mouth, big faith. Some of you are getting ready. God is positioning you. Oh, I, I know what it's looked like. I know your ravine, your faith walk has been dry. I know you've asked yourselves, when God? When will you bring change? When will you release me? <laughs> when, oh God? And you've just been holding on to his promises. I want to tell you something. This morning, God is releasing you, positioning you in your ravine of faith, and suddenly there's going to come a deluge. And that water is going to rinse and wash and flood and bring refreshment to your life and take over everything. It was that kind of ravine that the prophet was hiding in. This word brook, torrent bed, it's a torrent. How many of you have been around uh, the area here uh, over this last week when we had those torrential rains? Did any of you say, enough, <laughs> enough? So week before we had those wind gusts I mean, the, it, there was one day in particular, it just blew all day. I heard reports of 80 mile an hour. I know some of you have told me you've been up on your roof. You found shingles laying around in your yard. You've had to have your roof worked on since. 80 mile an hour winds. And then we follow that with torrential rain that just came down and down and down. And uncharacteristically, for Colorado and for our area here in the north, it just remained cloudy and damp and rain. God wants you and me to wrap ourselves around the torrent of faith, the torrent of his possibilities for our lives, the torrent of the ravine. I know right now things don't look like God's moving. I know right now it may look like God has forgotten you, but I'm here to tell you he hasn't. Hold on to his promise. Stay in that ravine. Hide there if you need to like the prophet did because there's coming a torrential rain of provision. Verse 4 in our text says, God said, I've commanded the ravens to bring you food. 
in the Hebrew. I've commanded provision there. You know what? There isn't provision everywhere. There's provision where the Lord says, go. Go be in that ravine. Go hide, which means to be secluded, to be silent, to be contemplative. Go hide. Whatever you're facing, I know some of you, because we've talked and you've let me know, are facing unsurmountable issues, circumstances, that if it doesn't change, you don't know what you're going to do. It would like to bury you. And you know what? You need to listen. Now is the time you need to listen because God's going to say, go hide. Go over there. Wait upon me. Rest in me. You don't even need to pray. You don't even need to have your Bible. You certainly don't need a to-do list or a moral list of things that you need to repent of. Excuse me. Go get alone with God and say, God, whatever's going on, I know you're in charge. I yield myself to you. Let's just sit here a while. I want to listen. And God says, I have commanded provision there. Not everywhere. There. The place I called you to. Sometimes it's secluded. Sometimes it seems dry. But where God calls you to go spend time with him alone, there is provision there. I like that. And look at it. Where? In a place where it seems dry. Where? In a place where it seems forsaken. Where? In the place where we can't see anything. There's nothing to lay hold of except the promise of God. Where? Where we have to hold firm when there's nothing we can see with our natural eyes. Where? It's where we have to rejoice in the sign at the end of the ravine that says, beware of sudden flooding. Because God's going to turn your circumstances around. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Think about this now. God said, I will move these birds by instinct to go against everything that they are as an animal. And they're going to come feed you. Ravens are not nice birds. Ravens would as soon sneak up on you and steal everything you have. Maybe even peck at you, looking for some dead flesh. Oh, I said maybe even looking for some dead flesh. You know those sins that you haven't been able to get rid of. (laughs) God says, I'll change their instinct. God controls the creatures as well as the creature. God knows your circumstances. God knows exactly who, what, where, when to send, if necessary, a raven who by instinct hates your guts and would as soon steal everything you have. God will flip their nature and use them for his glory to provide for you if you're in the place called there. Come on, help me out. See, if you're in the place called there, the raven will feed you. And if necessary, God can change the very instincts 
the very DNA of that thing that used to fight you, that used to be against you, that used to not be working for you. God can flip it. God's command to go, to hide away, and that he would provide superseded these birds' natural instinct and he made them actually act contrary to it. You know, it's not natural to receive a refund check in the mail from your insurance company. (laughs) It's not natural to get in a fender bender and then have the insurance company claim that your whole car is totaled and give you more than it's even worth so that you can not only get a new car but pay down some bills. See, that's not natural. (laughs) Woo, glory. It's not natural that somebody sends through the mail $10,000 for the down payment on a house and they didn't even know you were needing it or that you were looking for a home and they send you $10,000 for the down payment. Folks, all of these things are actual incidents of things that have happened either in my life or in the life of a number of you and you've told me and all you can say is, wow, God, you command even the ravens. You will change their instinct. You see my circumstances and you tell me to go there and there I will provide. There I have commanded supernaturally. It's amazing. Think about it. God could have sent angels to Elijah. Couldn't he have? Couldn't he have sent angels? And yet he uses a different kind of creature with wings to come provide. Which shows you that he serves his own purposes as he provides and he will effectively do it if necessary through the meanest creatures on earth. Some of you say, yeah, I I know some family members. I I know some cousins. I I know some aunts and uncles that are some of the meanest people on earth. (laughs) They're like ravens. They're just, yeah, God can flip that. Why did God do it that way? To give Elijah such proof of his power and his glory that Elijah's faith would not rest in a man or what his own hand could get him, but that his faith would rest in God alone. I wonder if God has allowed certain of the things that are going on in my life to move me to a place called there where I can't depend on my own flesh anymore. What do you think? Would it be possible that God has a plan, if necessary, to feed me with ravens? Feed me in a way that I would never guess, couldn't plan, couldn't work it out, couldn't put it on a spreadsheet, couldn't even ask all of you to pray with me about it? God is going to do it. Look with me, verse 8 in our text. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath. 
near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And there as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have, watch, I don't have a single piece of bread. I don't have. Is that where you live? God says, step out. Trust me in faith. Do something supernatural. Give something supernatural. Believe me for something supernatural. And our response, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only, I have, I don't have, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Wow. What a walk with Jesus. <laughs> you know, I don't understand it. I had such a great start with Jesus. You know, I was so excited about becoming a Christian. And now a couple years later, 10 years later, maybe 20 years later, here I am. I don't have anything. My life hasn't worked out right. I only have this left. And I'm about to lose that. And I'm just, then I'm going to go home and die. <laughs> God says, no, there's a place called there where I want you to hide away, where I can turn all of that around. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be get to it here there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again I didn't lead you this far to back out now I didn't take you to this place to leave you alone or to figure it out for yourself. I didn't bring you this far to let you sink. And as long as you are in the place called there being fed by the ravens, I'll provide. And now the circumstances switch and he's gone to a little widow who's ready to die. She's on her last bit of flour at the bottom of the jar and God says, nope, by your act of obedience, I am going to move you out of the realm of scarcity over into the realm of multiplication and provision. By your response to 
to the word of the Lord what the prophet in this instance is asking you for. I am going to move you from the place of scarcity and barely get along and I'm gonna die over into kingdom provision and blessing. You know that God can do that for you like that? Today, God could just speak to your circumstances and they would all change. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Wow. Go live there, verse 8 says. Go live there. So there's that word again. Verse 9. I have instructed a widow to feed you. So now we have a second most unlikely provision that you and I could never imagine, never figure out, never work it out on a spreadsheet. It doesn't make sense. All your friends and loved ones, well-meaning, who are not walking in faith like you are, not persisting in the things of God like you are, are more than willing to give you lots of counsel about what you need to do to turn your circumstances around. And God says, I've got a widow who's going to provide for you. And you get there and find out she's on her last little bit of flour at the bottom of the container and she's going home to die. Wow, God, really? (laughs) Really? Is this your provision? How many of you have looked at some of the things that God was going to do and said, really? (laughs) God spoke to me over this weekend as I was preparing something really strong. And at first I wondered why he was saying it, but then as I prayed about it further, I realized he was locating me. He was locating a thing that the enemy wanted to use to keep me out of supernatural provision. Here's what he said. Never again are you to view this building. Never again shall you speak of this building as an obstacle. Rather, view it as a bridge to my rich provision and my planned purposes for your future and people's lives in this community. And then I remembered Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication and want what is right for me. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who delights and takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now you can talk all you want against the message of prosperity. You can read your magazines, read your books, listen to preachers on the radio or the television who teach against it, but we're going to stick with the word. We're just going to stick with the word. That's a Bible word. That's in the Bible. Then, I read 2 Corinthians. 
chapter nine, verses six through eight. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's our goal. Our goal in being in this building was not to get a bigger building so we could say we have a bigger building. Our goal was to get here so that we could be transformational through the additional bridge. God gave us a bridge to the community and oh, what a difference is being made. We, we have a couple sitting here this morning as a result of Hot Dog Wednesday. Just handing out free hot dogs on Wednesday. And they've been coming as a result of Hot Dog Wednesday. We've never had that opportunity before where we were. Now God put us here where we can. And there's so much more, including a full-time preschool daycare with uh, drop-off and after-school care. And you know what? I just talked to somebody in the know who said, sorry, we let that drop. This is important to us. You are important to us being in there. This is going to happen. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> by, by the end of the phone call, I was feeling the splatter. For, you know what I mean? When, when, you know, that thing was so close. Now I was feeling, and I stuck my tongue out. Ah, 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 ah. Ooh, that feels good. Now you laugh, but you've been there this week. You've been there over the last month. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, everyone we've talked to, including one of our apostles who was here for our grand opening, Will Wheat, remember Apostle Will Wheat, who had a daycare at, in his church, have told us that the income stream from just the daycare alone will take care of all of your rent, all of your employment, all of your... Uh, what, what am I thinking? All, all your, uh, oh, your yeah, your expenses, uh, all of the, your uh, employees, their salaries, all of that. Not only do we reach the neighborhood, but it's a tremendous stream of income freeing us to do more of the things that Paul said here. I want to generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything and plenty left over so that you can share with others. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, we, we never, Nina's reminding me, we never had a desire to have a daycare before. Of course, couldn't have in the space where we were. That came by a download along with several other things that God spoke to us about. 
in regards to this building, all bullet points, by the way, about a dozen of them that we ran up the ladder to our landlord and to the owners when we were negotiating on this property. And it was one of the things that they said, you know what, we didn't even want another church in there. This has been a church for two decades. But when we saw your business plan, we changed our minds. Do you remember when Jesus set all the people down, there was uh, 5,000 men, just men, and he fed them with two loaves and a few fish. Remember that story, Jesus feeding the 5,000? And there were actually probably 15 to 20,000 people there, and he fed them with a little boy's lunch. In that story, it says that he told the disciples who had said, Lord, send them away. They're all hungry. Let them go buy food for themselves back in the village. Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. (laughs) So he sat them all down in rows. And the Bible says he took that little boy's lunch and he said, thank you, Father. I bless and I release this. He didn't pray. He blessed it. There's a difference. He blessed it. He spoke over it in faith. He released heaven's provision, changing the earth's circumstances. And then he said, here guys, start distributing it. And it turned into 20,000 lunches out of A loaf of bread, two loaves of bread, whatever, a loaf of bread and a couple of small fish. (laughs) Sounds like the widow, doesn't it? See the old New Testament, they they beautifully, it it sounds like the brook Cherith where the ravens fed the prophet. When Jesus blessed the lunch, he moved it out of the realm of restraint into the realm of kingdom blessing where multiplication is normal. Now I told you that the Lord gave me an inspiration to write two checks. One is for the balance of the rent due. Nina's making them out. The other one is a check of faith for the balance of the rent due for the rest of the year, $54,000, $54,600. And I'm going to take those two checks, they're written out, they're right here. I'm going to take these two checks into Sarah on Monday. And I'm gonna say, Sarah, here's, here's the check for the balance of the rent due for April and May. And this is a faith check, $54,600. Because we as a congregation over the next 30 days, we've post-dated this, okay? June 1st. Over the next 30 days, we as a congregation are going to retire our rent obligation for the balance of the year. Monkey off our back. Talk about freeing things up. 
say, Pastor, $54,000? <laughs> yeah, it's a place called there. I don't know how. I believe he can. And I know this. The acorn to the oak tree is in your hand. I know it's just an acorn right now, but it's going to be a mighty oak tree. And Nina and I are going to lead the way. We this morning are writing a check for thousands of dollars. I'm not going to tell you the exact amount because we believe in leading you in what we're asking you to also do. Seeds. He says, you determine. Seeds will get you, only planting a few seeds will get you a small crop. But if you plant generously, you will get a generous crop. That's the New Testament principle now of giving. It's an even greater principle than the Old Testament principle of tithing, which is still carried over into the New Testament. We don't stop tithing. But you have not given anything when you tithe. You've still not given anything when you just tithe. Right? Giving is over and above the tithe. The tithe is something we bring back to God who owns it all and we worship him with it, declaring him our provider. Then over and above that. So we're going to lead the way. Now, during our building fund, we already put thousands and thousands of dollars into the building fund, as a number of you also did, and then others have given according to your measure. Thank you. In every way, thank you. It's allowed us to do all that we've done, and we're so proud of what God has done. But I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me about a second check, a faith check, and I'll explain. It, this is a faith check. And we're believing over the next 30 days that through gifts received this Sunday, this past Sunday, this will be tomorrow when I'm having this, con proceeds received yesterday during service and commitments people made that they're believing God over the next 30 days they will do this amount that we are going to retire our rent for the balance of the year. You see why I didn't want to tell you that 20 minutes ago? I would have lost you for 20 minutes of sermon. <laughs> and I needed you to stay with me. Because now, see, you're processing all of that, aren't you? Now you're processing. Oh, my goodness, 54,000. Do you know this? The scripture says in this same passage here, God gives seed to the sower and bread for food. Our problem is we often eat our seed corn. So God put into our hands a number of thousands of dollars. And we, yeah, our return, our tax returns. And we already had plans. <laughs> I mean, we had plans. Good plans. But you know what? The Lord's told us, that's your seed corn. Don't eat it. Don't eat your seed corn. Put it in the ground. <laughs> so.